0: Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hello. Each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So, take a seat and grab a drink and join us. Last month, Lily and I took a road trip up to Wisconsin for a few weeks, hence why there's been a bit of a delay in episodes. (laughs) Although the trip was for important reasons, we felt it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't take a little time to do a little haunted tourism on the side scheduling and timing issues meant we weren't able to do as much as we would have liked to, but I still think we did quite well. I I think
1: it was, I thought it was a really good, uh, tour in general. Like we got to see a lot of different buildings that are very well known to be haunted And then, like you said, on our own, we kind of made our way throughout the city and find haunted bars, though I will admit (laughs) they tended to be both establishments where they serve alcohol and it was haunted. I think (laughs) that was just a bonus win for us.
0: So today we're going to talk about some of the haunted places that we saw on our trip couple different states, couple different things. Right now, Lily is drinking some rum out of a <laughs> mid-90s Batman Forever glass mug from McDonald's. I don't know if you guys remember those. Yeah,
1: so this one's like the Two-Face.
0: Yeah, that's the one I got when I was a kid. And the
1: Riddler. No, it's just thing. Two-Face. Well, it has like the little, oh, I think that was a logo that's for the logo for yeah, That's the logo for Batman Forever, right.
0: yeah. Yeah, so whenever I see that glass, my heart like glistens. I wanted all of them, but I only got this one, so <laughs> it's, just, it's just all I got. I'm being a healthy boy. I'm on nothing but ice water today. I have my water by me. (laughs) I'm (laughs) stuffed.
1: Yeah. uh, But I'm definitely enjoying the rum, even though this glass used to feel a lot bigger when I was a kid. It's so teeny tiny now.
0: Mugs in general feel smaller now. I think it's because we got so used to... I mean, I don't drink coffee, but... People with their coffee mugs, these massive, giant coffee mugs, and I'm like, yeah.
1: Like my thermos and all that stuff that I carry around, and I see a mug, I'm like, what is this stupid mess? I need more coffee.
0: We're so American, it's awful. (laughs) All (laughs) the people from around the world hearing this are just like, like, you guys suck, and you know what? You're not wrong.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do.
0: Well, so we should jump into some stuff, but before Lily gets on with her crazy story, we should mention that our first stop along the way was in St. Louis, Missouri, allowing us to see the infamous Lemp Mansion. Now, it's hard to believe, but Lemp Mansion is quite special to this podcast, as it was the first story Lily told 96 episodes ago <laughs> on our very first podcast episode. Uh, you also covered the Borley Rectory during that episode as well, Yeah, Lent I, Mansion, for I, sure. I, we
1: didn't know what we were doing. I was like, I'm just going to do two stories and see what happens. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so for those of you that haven't heard the episode or because it was so long ago, you should really check it out, uh, as oh, you just said. Our first episodes were a bit rough. We were figuring this out. So expect the quality to be a little bit lower uh, just because it was. I mean, not just
1: us trying to figure out how we present ourselves on a podcast, but literally our equipment was trash. So
0: yeah, everything's gotten better. Yeah. But uh, just a quick recap for people just so you can find out what you would be going back to listening. Uh, Located just south of downtown St. Louis near the Anheuser-Busch Brewery, Lemp Mansion was owned by the Lemp family who ran the Lemp Brewery, which in the 1800s was the largest brewery in the area, or at least for part of the 1800s. The house has a troubled history full of deaths and suicides and long considered one of the most haunted locations in the country. Nowadays, it functions as a restaurant and small inn for people daring enough to stay the night. It hosts regular haunted tours, especially around Halloween. If you want the scary details, go back to that episode. Very first episode. Easy to remember. The story is great, even if our earlier performances weren't.
1: So <laughs> yeah. The material is good enough, I feel.
0: The sad thing about us seeing Lent Mansion when we got there was it was closed when we got there. Yeah. Uh, we were there during, you know, the middle of the week and we couldn't help that. When we had to go on the trip was not something we could adjust. So.
1: And we took some good pictures, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. We absolutely got some good pictures. And, you know, mostly because we were walking around the property. Uh, we weren't we weren't breaking any rules. We weren't trespassing or anything. But we were kind of going up to the door. I was peeking in the windows. And I'm not going to lie. I like how you're
1: like, we didn't break any rules. But I was, like, trying to peek inside all the <laughs> I
0: was the front of a public building. We didn't go. We didn't cross I into the guess. back of the property or anything I mean, like that. we
1: were in the yard. But I'm,
0: like, peeking in through the window. You know, admittedly hoping to see something creepy and nothing. I mean, the lights are off. It's as creepy as any other building, so I didn't really see anything. But for some reason, I was hoping that, like, a ghost in there would be like, you've been talking about me, boy. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we have. So
1: It just knows. But that didn't
0: happen. We also got to see the remains of the Lemp Brewery, which is just down the street. Big old building. And they host ghost tours as well. Big ones on Halloween, as yeah, far as I can tell. Yeah. Once again, We were during the middle of the week where they're not hosting ghost tours, so we weren't able to see that. But after touring some of the area and seeing some of the sites, I think I convinced Lily that we need to return to St. Louis for a few days as a single trip just for St. Louis. Yeah. And I can guarantee you that if we do, we're going to do everything we can to book a night at the Lemp Mansion just for us. It does help that there were some dive bars and breweries in the area, which will keep us interested. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting part of St. Louis. Well, St. Louis is just an interesting city yeah. if you've never been there. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons I really wanted to go is I'd always driven through St. Louis on my way to Wisconsin, and I'd always seen the arch from a distance, and I was just like, I want to see the arch like up close and personal, and I finally got to do that on this trip. And it is so much bigger when you're standing at the bottom of it than it looks way far away when you're crossing Mississippi. It looks
1: really impressive. I, I don't know. It's not that I try to doubt these things, but sometimes it's, it's just a different feeling, especially when you see it on TV all the time or whatever in books, I guess. And you're finally there and it's just so looming almost. It's, it's a lot bigger than you imagine sometimes. I don't know. I thought it was a really impressive piece of structure. I absolutely.
0: And outside of like You know, New York or London or many of these big cities like Paris with the Eiffel Tower that have like a dominant building that people know about. St. Louis is such an interesting and unexpected city to have such a iconic and massive and dominant structure. It's like, look, this is what this city is. Yeah. I mean it's one of the few cities that you can tell what it is just from that singular structure. You may not know what Paris looks like, but you see the Eiffel Tower, you're like, that's Paris. You see the Empire State Building, like that's New York. You see the St. Louis Arch like that's St. Louis.
1: And the city absolutely embraces the arch. You see it everywhere, like being, uh, like in words, it'll be like an N instead of, oh, yeah, like an arch instead of the whatever letter. So, yeah, it's all over the city. People are very proud of it. And I can can totally get it. Yeah. And
0: we're from New Mexico. We're so proud of our Zias, it's ridiculous.
1: (laughs) I know. It's not even a And we don't even
0: have a giant Z in the center of the city. No. Although, no, I'm just kidding.
1: Oh, ideas.
0: But anyway. Enough about St. Louis. We saw some other cool stuff there that weren't Haunted related. That's not important for this podcast. That's that's for another time. So get ready for a Wisconsin exclusive on location, not because we're on location now, but because we actually went to these locations, episode where all the stories are haunted places from Wisconsin. And so it's time for Lily to take it away with the first locations.
1: Okay, so I think I think we should go back and forth. Like, I'll do one, oh. and you do one. I don't know. That sounds more fun right now.
0: We'll shake it up. All right, we'll do that.
1: Okay. So, the first location was the Riverside Theater. It was built in 1928, but closed down after a fire in 1966. I honestly did not research any history. <laughs> We're just going to go ahead and... Bypass all that because nothing really happened. Um, It seems like everything was totally fine.
0: Well, and it's a still functioning theater. It's actually a very popular theater to see like big acts today.
1: Yeah. And it's, I guess, like one of the city's most, uh, you know, like popular theaters. It's just like a really good venue. And it was actually restored after the fire of 66 and it reopened in 1982.
0: Oh, so it was closed for a while.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, it closed down and then it took forever for someone to buy it. I guess. And so it just was sitting there and they were actually going to tear it down at some point, but the locals got together and they were like, no, you can't destroy this, but no one can afford to buy it until somebody finally stepped in and did it. So that was kind of nice.
0: It's so interesting that you could have such a massive building because it's located in the downtown Milwaukee area right along the river. I mean, hence the name, Riverside. It's so amazing to have such prime real estate like that not being used
1: for so long. sad almost because we have places like that here in Albuquerque too Mm -hmm. you know we have like Prime Realty considering our city in our Nob Hill and downtown area that are just kind of vacant because prices are so high and you're like but oh it'd be so cool if like people can do it but you know easier said than done I can't do it so.
0: What rich people are holding on to these properties saying I have enough money to keep paying to own this but I'm not going to do anything I guess they're just
1: maybe paying property tax if they own it outright I don't know. But
0: some of those property taxes gotta be through but anyway right. right.
1: (laughs) A weird tangent, but okay. That's how you know you're in your 30s. You're like, oh my god, it's got to be so expensive. <laughs> when
0: you talk about owning a place, you're like, but what are the property taxes like? Because <laughs> you realize in America, you don't ever actually own anything; you're renting only it only for the a government. little
1: while. Yeah. Uh, inside the building, it has 2,450 red velvet upholstered seats. There are two levels: the orchestral level and the equally large balcony that extends from wall to wall. In the picture, I've seen, um, it's a very classic, fancy aesthetic. The decorative arches on the wall have red drapery and a co-vaulted ceiling with a crystal chandelier in the center that gives mm. it kind of a very like, high-end elegant. look. Very elegant, exactly. So, the ghosts. I'm just going to go into it. I can't remember if I made up these names or these are the names that were given by people, Okay. but I think I'm pretty sure I made this one up. I call this one the well-dressed man. Now, Susan Fry, who's a ghost tour guide for the theater, said, quote, one of the oldest stories and one that's still happening is people seeing a gentleman in the balcony. He's dressed in a nice coat with a hat and is sitting in one of the seats that looks out and just watches the show. Okay. End quote. Patrons have seen the mysterious man sitting in the box seats just above them, usually just a hand peeking over the railing before Mm -hmm. disappearing. Interesting. So he just really likes to watch Is basically what's happening.
0: Like, I know what you mean, but when you say say someone just likes to watch, it just sounds dirty.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean. You know what I mean.
0: He's just there for the shows, man.
1: Just for the show. So this one's called Perfume Lady. All it is is there's an apparition of a woman seen wandering the aisles and on stage. Whenever seen, there's a distinct floral perfume smell emanating all around. Mm. You don't always see her but her scent is often reported. So that's kind of weird.
0: Well, I like that because usually when we hear about smells when it comes to hauntings, they're unpleasant smells. Right. It's kind (laughs) of nice that one smells good. You know, Ghost is like, I ain't going to be like that.
1: Speaking of which, the smoking man. (laughs) Oh, sweet. (laughs) Aside from emanating an annoying smell of cigarettes all throughout the theater, there have also been reports of his apparition. There was one incident in particular that occurred one night after closing. An usher was going through the movie theater to ensure that all the patrons had left, when he suddenly noticed a man sitting in the auditorium. After asking him multiple times to leave, the usher decided to leave himself to inform a co-worker. Both returned to speak to the man, who was now lying across the chairs, and as soon as they approached him, the man dissipated into the chairs. Into like smoke, almost. Like
0: billowing smoke?
1: Yeah. Very dramatic.
0: So we play a game called Left for Dead, and one of these zombies <laughs> you that we haven't kill heard are already. called smokers. And when you shoot them, they, they're like zombies. They explode in a cloud of smoke, and your character coughs. It's, it's actually really gross, even though you can't smell it. You can just imagine smelling it. Yeah. I also want to mention, I don't know if it's just me, but whenever someone is mentioning an usher, like an usher at a theater doing stuff, sure. I know what an usher is. For some reason, though, my brain just imagines the, the singer. singer usher doing it. <laughs> And it takes me a second to like rewrite it in my brain as like a guy wearing an usher outfit, as opposed to like usher just being like a really cool guy working at a movie theater. He comes
1: in, he's like, he's
0: like, he's like humming his tunes while he's like showing you to your seat. You're like, this guy's awesome. Oh
1: my god, yeah, he would absolutely be doing that. So those are some of the more distinct characters. Uh, but it is not uncommon for staff members to hear random sounds, talking, and feeling like you're being watched after hours. A general manager once reported hearing a spirit yell out, hey, right after locking everything up. When double-checking to see that no one was left inside, the manager eventually left, but claimed that it felt like someone was watching him the entire time. Interesting. Other reports of seeing a shadowy figures walk all throughout the theater, including the stage. Activity seemed to pick up in the early mornings while cleaning staff is there working. The spirits like to play pranks on them, Usually, they hide cleaning supplies, only to later find them completely different parts of the theater. Other times, when the cleaners are pushing their carts, they'll sometimes like stall or become very difficult to push, only to be released as if nothing was in the way. Mm. Really annoying.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: The worst is when the cleaning people turn their backs for a moment and see that the cart has been moved further away. So the whole cart moves, and then they have to go find it. (laughs) I'm like, what the heck? Whenever any of these shenanigans occur, employees usually just yell out that they don't have time for this and that they're not having fun. This seems to work and it keeps the spirits away long enough for them to finish their morning shift. So
0: <laughs> I'm just imagining the spirits like uh, Andy from The Office where he's like, oh, I'm sorry I, you know, disturbed you with my eternal death. <laughs> All I have is time. It's Thanks. like there's
1: nothing to do. <laughs> Help, yeah. Uh, I watched a local news segment that was a couple of years old that talked about the new ghost tours that were going to be happening in the theater, mm-hmm. or I guess reopening uh, since the pandemic. And the reporter was in the basement with a tour guide to learn more about it. Immediately, you can tell that the reporter was super uncomfortable, and it's also a little lower. So I think I think this guy said like he was over six feet tall or whatever oh, sure. and the ceiling was like five seven or something yeah now in the basement with him is a also a medium slash ghost tour guide and she tells him that in that very moment she could feel a presence in the corner of the room right behind where the reporter was standing it's <laughs> <That's> so mean <laughs> um she mentions that the entity is not happy not evil either but maybe scared that has and has been hiding in there for quite some time. Uh, She theorized that after the recent renovations, it's possible that it caused the spirit to move away and hide because it was suddenly a very unfamiliar location. Yeah, didn't know what was happening. Right, so it's kind of lost, a little confused. This isn't where
0: I parked my car.
1: Right. (laughs) Ends up in a hot tub. I don't know. Afterwards, the reporter moves on and interviews the stage manager while they're both standing on stage. The stage manager goes on to say that it's very common to hear footsteps just above their heads. So, after the 1966 fire, the stage was rebuilt, but it was actually built six feet lower than the existing stage. The residual sounds of footsteps would then logically be above your head.
0: Or at your head.
1: At your head, yeah, but it always sounds like it's echoing right above you.
0: Interesting. I
1: think that's kind of cool. This theater is incredibly active with unexplained occurrences. It's my understanding that anyone who has worked in the theater has experienced something at one point. The stage manager also casually said that he's had strange things happen around him and he can't explain it since he started working there in 2005, but that now he's used to it. He's totally fine with it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah,
0: That's just simple ghost stuff. Just
1: whatever. Just like fun ghost shenanigans. All in all, the spirits were and are harmless. No one has ever reported or felt threatened, which is kind of nice. Mediums and ghost hunters who have investigated have never felt an evil presence either. So they haven't, you know, really made up anything and hopefully said that anything that's in here is either residual haunting or someone who's just hanging out. Not a big Mm. deal. So, yeah, that's a really good situation to have. In my opinion, this is, it's scary because it's ghost, but this is the best case scenario If you're going to have a ghost.
0: People aren't feeling threatened. Right. Especially if you want to go see like a cool musician there. You're like, oh, I don't want to go there. I'm kind of scared. Haunted. Yeah.
1: I don't want to get scratched or pinched or something. Yeah. Uh, the only people that seem to be suffering the most is the cleaning staff, which is just the worst.
0: It seems that, it seems like the craziest thing you're going to deal with is hearing people walking right above your head, which yeah. I can deal with.
1: Oh. <laughs> I can do. I've had upstairs neighbors before. I think I can handle.
0: Yeah. I've had older brothers and sisters. They <laughs> kick me. I know what it's oh, like. God.
1: Not on the face, just <laughs> above. Just, just near it. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the first little story of the tour.
0: Well, apparently there was a documentary made about the haunted theaters in Milwaukee, focused specifically on the Riverside Theater, huh? called Theater of Shadows. It's apparently part of a series of documentary movies called Haunted State, which also has a show which is available for free oh, on Prime.
1: So we can oh my watch god it. why didn't you tell me i could have totally the, gotten it
0: the movie is not free we have to rent that oh, the show's called I haunted See. state and they specifically talk about hauntings within a state but then they did before the show came out they had a series of movies okay. and this one was theater shadows specifically about the milwaukee haunted theater area and we can rent it i and i figure we should at some point but sure sure you know and if it's good we'll tell our uh, our listeners some other week like hey you guys should check it out or it sucks don't waste your money We'll check it out. We'll find out for you guys. So before we did any haunted tours or even went anywhere we knew was haunted, we went to stay at my aunt uncle's house in Southern Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. They have an amazing house, which if I remember correctly, was about a hundred ish years old, maybe maybe older. I think a
1: little older, man. Yeah, yeah, it does sound familiar.
0: It is surrounded by miles of active farmland. And honestly, it's a gorgeous and amazing house. It's like Mm -hmm. one of the coolest houses I've ever stayed in. Well, one night while discussing our haunted tourist intentions, my aunt mentioned to me that the neighbor's barn, the one that's up against their property, might be haunted. Apparently, many years ago, a man hung himself in that very barn. In all the years of living there, none of them had seen anything, but I did take some pictures, peeked around about as close as I could get without going on the other person's property, you know, still respecting the rules. But I'm not going to lie, it was a creepy and old dilapidated barn. So (laughs) I think they mentioned it was like a tobacco barn. So it has all these small slats on the side that open up for drying out tobacco. And a lot of these slats had like fallen into disrepair or fallen off. So you could kind of peek into this like creepy, dark, old, falling apart building. Oh, yeah. Now, I will admit, it looking creepy might have been because... The first time I went to go look at it was after they had told me about the guy killing himself. So I'm sure it was all in my head. You know, I I was building it up. So it did look creepy. Maybe it wouldn't have looked as creepy otherwise, but it's still there. Now, apparently my cousin, my aunt's daughter, does think this barn is haunted. (laughs) She used to live in the house back when she was in high school, and she only said this in passing, but she mentioned that her and her friend were in the barn one day, and she claims she saw a creepy face. She might have even said... Face of the Devil, but my memory isn't (laughs) that good. I was drinking that day. Right. So Face of the Devil or Harmless Shed, either way, we still slept well, had no problems while we were staying there. I was fine. No creepy happenings. Yeah. But
1: it was creepy, and I was admittedly hoping for something, even if it was just footsteps that I I couldn't quite. Yeah, you know, just something to report back. But alas, I have yet to have a haunting.
0: For those of you that don't know Lily personally- I can promise you that whenever you tell her something is haunted that's near her, the way she lights up and her eyes start <laughs> glistening, it's it's like giving, it's like telling her, you know, uh, we're celebrating your birthday twice this year. And yeah. She's just super happy.
1: It's very exciting. So,
0: and me, I get nervous because I'm like, I'm interested in kind of cool haunting, not I'm scared there's a demon trying to possess me haunting. Well, sure. Well, and Lily's like, I'll take it all.
1: <laughs> I'm not, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So whatever. Yeah. Throw it at me.
0: Well, back to this haunted tour, because we did a haunted tour in Milwaukee, went to a couple different spots. Some uh, very nice guy was walking us through and showing us all this stuff. The Riverside Theater that Lily just covered was one of the locations. But the first location that we stopped at was the Hilton Garden Inn, located at 611 North Broadway in downtown Milwaukee. This rather unsuspecting but classically designed building houses the Hilton Garden Inn. But this has only been the case since around 2011. Before being converted to a hotel, it was the Loyalty Building, built in 1886 and used as an office space for more than a century. It is considered one of the most haunted locations in Milwaukee because, I mean, let's be honest, no one is going to describe something as middlingly haunted. Right. It's either the most haunted place ever or it's not haunted. No one goes anywhere in between. But we should make that a thing. We should normalize slightly haunted. Yeah. And it's th- okay
1: to be Slightly Haunted. And it's
0: still cool. I like Slightly Haunted. Those are the ones that don't scare me. <laughs> what makes this hotel such a hot spot for haunted sightings has very little to do with the events that occurred within the current building, but rather with a traumatic event that occurred with the building that stood here before its construction. In 1856, Daniel Newhall, a successful merchant, built the Newhall House in downtown Milwaukee. It was designed to be a luxurious and classy hotel, but there's debate as to whether it achieved such prestige, with the Wisconsin Historic Society describing it as, quote, somewhat down at the heels, end quote. (laughs) I will admit that photos and drawings of the hotel in its heyday are fine looking, but not quite marvelous, especially compared to the much more gorgeous Mackie building next door, also known as the original Chamber of Commerce, built less than 20 years after the Newhall building. And that one was built out of stone. The Newhall building was not. The Newhall house is a rather boxy, simple-looking building made of wood, and the single image I could find of the interior shot showed what I can only assume was the lobby, Simple arches and crown moldings elevated it ever so slightly above the ordinary, but nothing really to write home about. What the Newhall House Hotel gained a reputation for, however, was fires. <laughs> In fact, so many fires—at least twenty—occurred at the hotel. 20. Yeah, occurred at the hotel Jeez. that the city's fire department dubbed it a quote tinderbox. According to a 2013 article posted on the Marquette Wire's website, written by Maddie Kennedy, quote. Because of the frequency of new houses fires, the hotel owner developed a controversial policy. The policy stated that when a fire occurred, staff members should try to put it out quietly, never disturbing the guests or alerting them about the growing fire. Oh end my quote. God. On an unsuspecting winter night, January 10th, 1883, at 2 a.m., to be exact.
1: I like how you said 1883. It was so uh, aggressive.
0: <laughs> I, so aggressive. So January 10th, 1883, 2 a.m., Another of these troublesome fires erupted. How rude. Watchman William McKenzie first noticed smoke coming up from the grill in the fifth floor elevator shaft. Since this is long before safety rules about elevator use during fires existed, McKenzie decided the best thing to do was to take the elevator down to investigate the smoke. When he reached (laughs) the first floor, he found that fire had engulfed the foyer, foyer, however you want to pronounce it, and one of the entrances. The cause of the fire remains a mystery, and try as they might, the staff members were unable to douse this particular inferno, and the flames raced up the elevator shaft, spreading the fire throughout the entire building alarmingly fast. Sam McDowell, a firefighter who responded to the scene, said, quote, By the time we reached the hotel, the building was like a flaming straw sack. Men and women could be seen at their windows shouting for help, screaming in despair, quote.
1: Oh my god.
0: There was little the firefighters of the time could do with such a a large fire. This was still the 1800s, and in a state of panic, many of the guests began to jump from the windows of the building, many getting tangled in the recently installed telegraph and electrical wires throughout the city streets. In fact, many of the firefighters en route to the scene- also had issues with these wires and reports of many of their large ladders getting stuck in the wires on the way, preventing them from getting the ladders all the way to the building. Oh, no. One account claims that a firefighter was injured when a leaping patron fell on him as he exited oh, his sh- vehicle.
1: So I'm assuming that person died. No, or... I, I don't know.
0: They did, well, There was no mention the of the death, but yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe he fell on the second floor and they both just got hurt.
1: Sure, that makes sense.
0: Another firefighter by the name of Heman Strauss actually saved many people by laying a ladder like a bridge between the Newhall house and an adjacent building. With his own bare hands, he carried many unconscious servants across to safety. Despite these heroic efforts, many people lost their lives. By the next morning, the hotel was reduced to a pile of rubble and ash. 76 bodies were found, but it is unknown how many people actually died since the hotel register was destroyed in the fire as well. Some estimates go as high as 90 deaths.
1: Holy shit! Exactly.
0: I mean, that's hardcore. To this day, the Newhall House fire is the deadliest fire in the city of Milwaukee and held the distinction of being the deadliest fire in the U.S. for many years afterwards. I don't quite know when it ended. We've had a lot of horrible fires in the early uh, 20th century, but that that led to a lot of very useful fire codes, including doors have to open out to, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it's easy to see that the property had a notable number of deaths and tragedies. It's no wonder that any building built in its place would have a high likelihood of paranormal occurrences, the most common of which, understandably reported by contemporary guests, comes in the form of eerie and unsettling sounds from unknown locations. There also seems to be a strong penchant for people's bathroom doors to open and shut at random. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the original hotel being built in the mm. 1800s before en suite bathrooms were a common thing. So maybe these ghosts are like, wow, you can like go to the bathroom right next to where you sleep. And that's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not opening weird. Opening the door, closing it, like, this is so amazing. Uh, we're so lucky Fancy. these days.
1: Such reachable toilets. <laughs> Luxury. <laughs>
0: Luxury. The vast majority of paranormal occurrences seem to occur between two different rooms, 201 and 326. My biggest question is where those rooms are located from a schematic point of view and how they relate to the original building structure. I can't find any of that information. This is Mm -hmm. not privy to that, but it makes me wonder. Could that have been where more people died or where grueling deaths occurred or something like that? Or I don't know. Maybe the ghosts just like it. It's got a good view. Something like that.
1: Yeah. Where things are happening.
0: But what good is a haunted hotel without having a specific resident manifestation? The most unsettling occurrence seems to be from an apparition that loves to pull on people's hair. And oh, no. I don't mean in a nice, playful kid way. I mean Ooh. in a I hate you way. <laughs> it often happens when people are alone in their rooms. Uh-oh. But if it happens when they're not in their rooms, they are always unaccompanied. This ghost picks on lonely. Oh, on purpose. People. Okay. I know that I know I know a lot of skeptics <laughs> are sitting there rolling their eyes, they're like, of course there won't be other people to to see it, but it also makes it a little bit creepier because it's like if you're alone in this hotel, you're a target, so yeah. you stick with other people. In fact, some patrons have claimed and left the hotel because they were woken up in the middle of the night by having their hair pulled. Gee, like, uh, is it
1: like I wonder if it's like a yank or a constant like get out kind of I don't know. That's so creepy. I
0: wouldn't describe myself as tender-headed, but I also am not like immune to the feeling of pain. I think if I felt my hair being pulled and I was by myself in a hotel, I'd freak out. Yeah. Like that's that's never happened to me in my I life. It is just
1: jarring to begin yeah. with. Yeah. So I'm pretty it's sure not... I'd
0: react and be like, "Oh my god, I think there's someone in my room like hiding and I don't want to find him And Oh all god,
1: that. underneath the bed or something." Ugh. Nope.
0: One of the maids claims to have had her own hair pulled while she was cleaning one of the fabled rooms number 326. So when we were at this hotel, Mhm. I wasn't quite sure when, we, like when we were when the tour guide was talking to us about it, if any of the old building remained. But no, the building we saw is a completely new building.
1: They were like trash at all. Yeah, blah, so blah.
0: so there isn't anything historic remaining there. But that kind of makes it even creepier because kind of like you said, when they in the theater when they built the walkway a little bit lower, it's kind of like Where? is there a historic presence or area? Uh, are yeah. these rooms in bad areas? It's pretty creepy. That said, this this hotel has a lot of good reviews and it's right in the heart of downtown. It really wouldn't be a bad choice for us yeah. if we're staying in Milwaukee because we've already talked about it. This is the second time we've been to Milwaukee. I love that city. I, it's one of my favorite cities i the I love Milwaukee. And we want to go back and I'm thinking this could be a really good place for us to stay because it's walking distance from all these places we like going, cool bars, cool restaurants right in the heart of downtown, right near the, the river, all this good stuff. So this might be the cool place. I looked online to try to find haunted trip advisor reviews. Mm-hmm. I did find one where.
1: Oh my God. I literally forgot to do that. I can't. <laughs> who sorry. am I? Oh my well, God. But
0: the one that I found wasn't worth posting because whoever wrote it said the staff was great, but the place is haunted and they had to move rooms. But most mm. of what she was talking about being haunted, she said weird things are happening on her computer. Like music was starting and stopping without her knowledge. And at one point she like said something to the to a ghost, like, you mm-hmm. need to leave, and Siri replied, like, that's not very nice or something. Oh, God. But for the most part, I was like, you know, computers freak out all the time.
1: But Siri usually doesn't respond like that.
0: Well, but you don't know what they said. She didn't say, uh, they I could have said something true. really horrible, and Siri's like, sure. screw that.
1: It's like, stop being crazy. Uh,
0: so I didn't post that one. I couldn't find any other good reviews, but there are lots of drawings online of this fire. It looks, because, ho- I mean... Like cameras weren't super common I mean, at there the weren't, time.
1: There wasn't a guy with a camera yeah, at the time. You, you yeah. can
0: see photos of what the hotel looked like beforehand, at least one, but nothing of the fire, anything like that. But it does look like it would have been a particularly horrible sight. And for it to happen 100 years ago and people are still talking about it, I mean, the new building is over 100 years old. So the sure. old building, to be that long ago, and people are still talking about hauntings because of it, that had to have been a pretty Gruesome, tragic thing. bad, so, Yeah. Pretty crazy. So uh, that, and the funny thing is this was the one stop. It was like the quickest stop on the haunted tour. And in fact, I couldn't hear half of what our tour guide was saying because there was oh, this obnoxious yes. <laughs> guy right behind us hitting on a girl. Like he, he like followed her like half like, a block. And he's like, can I get your number? You're like the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Like,
1: aggressively. Oh, he was like,
0: the worst. And she ended up relenting and giving him at least a number. Hopefully not hers because no one deserves to deal with a guy like that. But I was mostly focusing on that because I was honestly waiting because if the guy got too aggressive, I was like, we're going to have to intervene because mm-hmm. like this guy's, I don't want to do or anything creep. crazy. But yeah. then he finally walked away and I was like, okay, I just missed half a story I paid to hear because of that. So I wasn't expecting this story when I did the research afterwards to be as creepy and weird as it was. So that was kind of neat. It was pretty yeah, cool.
1: it's nice to be able to look it up yourself and confirm and also get more information. So that that worked out.
0: So we're going to continue with more stories, but we should take a quick break so that Lily can refresh her drink and that if you guys need to uh, pause because you're at work and you're ready for part two. And it's a good time. Perfect time for a break. See you guys in a minute.
1: Okay, so we're back and I think it's my turn this time. I don't know if I've ever uh, started a story after a break, but this is exciting now. Okay. Shake it up. Shake it up. Let me take a let me take a little drink. Ooh, okay, here we go. So this story is City Hall in the center of downtown. It has a very dark history, which is enough to freak people out or make them incredibly sad.
0: Which is located uh, like a stone's throw away from the bronze fawns.
1: The bronze fawns, that yeah. That everyone
0: was telling us we had to see where his thumbs are rubbed so shiny. Super shiny. It was kind of weird. People just rubbing up on his thumbs. I, it's just weird. I don't know why I, everyone wants to touch statues. I don't
1: know. I took a picture of it just because yeah, I was like, well, I did it, y'all. You know, the bronze ponds. But but I wasn't going to rub anything. No. <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, so the building has been there since 1895 and has 15 floors. So it's a pretty decent sized building. For 34 years, the building existed without any incident. It wasn't until February 19th, 1926 or 1929, when 36-year-old Frances Schumeyer climbed on the fifth floor open atrium and leapt to her death. There were no witnesses, but dozens reported hearing her screams as she fell. It was later discovered that due to her alcoholism and other mental issues, and the fact that she recently lost custody of her 15-year-old son, it was all too much to bear, and she decided to end her life. Schumeyer would be the first of seven people to leap to their death all between 1929 and 1940. These people were drawn to the site because it was open to the public and the railings were only about waist high. I could go into more detail with each victim, but most of it is just super sad. But there is a crazy one that I do want to tell that happened, is one of the last ones, in 1940 when 24-year-old Harry Kumelski hung from the eighth floor until he decided to let go. So he was kind of dangling for a while, as it seems. He landed right next to 42-year-old Albert Pauly, who was so distraught by the incident, he died later that afternoon.
0: Like, from a heart attack, or did he go onto the building and jump, too?
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> so, the official autopsy of that was because of a cerebral hemorrhaging. So, I don't know. It's oh, very strange. Like a traumatic experience? I think oh, so. Man. Like, literally scared to death. Finally, after the fifth or sixth person had jumped to their death, did the officials decide to do something about it? It also happened to occur within 24 hours before the next mayoral election and people were demanding a solution. The mayor at the time decided to place security guards on the floors that were opened to like the outside, but it didn't work. Three weeks after, 63-year-old Herman Reffeld entered the building, asked a passerby what floor had the most people jump off of and proceeded to climb the stairs. After Reffeld's death, the installation of chain netting was implemented.
0: I mean, okay, keep going. No,
1: I, no, no, I want to know.
0: <laughs> it just sounds so on brand for people to go, wow, a lot of people are committing suicide off this building. What can we do to prevent people from throwing themselves off this building? Instead of saying, how about we try to help people? Maybe have someone here who can, you know...
1: <laughs> Maybe talk them down or figure out what's going on. Yeah, or, or, or
0: try to have put up beautiful signs or... Or religious messages or anything around the area to try to encourage people, you know, rethink this. There's always a way, there's future, or anything like that. No, we're just like, let's uh let's put up fences, let's put up nets and whatnot. Because they're not actually worried about the people dying. They just right. don't want them dying at that building. Right. And that bothers me. And
1: so I think like one of the big things that they were also mentioning, and I didn't write this in my notes, but I do recall is that it took a really long time for this. Chain netting to actually be installed. I guess there was like a lot of pushback for from the politicians themselves, not the not the people. The people wanted something to happen so that these people weren't killing themselves or like helping them, or at the very least, does it hit someone as they're walking by, you know, for their own safety? But they were like, it's too expensive. We don't want to do anything about it, and or rather, they were coming up with plans and nothing was ever being decided. Surprise, surprise. And it wasn't until, like, again, the sixth person that jumped off was like, okay, this is becoming a problem. This is happening frequently enough where it doesn't seem to be stopping. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what happened. And literally only took action because the election year was so close. So the netting did work. That actually did prevent people from even attempting to jump because they figured, well, this isn't very effective. I'm not here to put on a show. You know, I'm actually trying to commit suicide unfortunately and, and be not on this planet anymore and these nets are going to prevent that the nets actually ended up staying up until 1988 so for like 48 years holy cow they were up there and they eventually did take them down and there was some worry at first like they're gonna be you know i don't know i don't know what the worry was but i remember there was some hesitation but we're like it's fine yeah uh, plus i remember on the tour and they did talk about it in articles as well that there have been renovations that were made as well so you know safety measures like the the railings were no longer at high waist or something like that <laughs> and it wasn't easy for people to have access to the outside and it just wasn't a very accessible building to begin with either like you can't just wander in through these spaces that do or may lead to some sort of balcony
0: yeah, I know that the Empire State Building, I believe, has yeah. particular fencing on the top of it. And we were there. We went to the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very tall fence, but then it like has these sharp things that curve inward that would make it really hard to climb out of. I think yes. I, yeah. I mean I don't know if they had a problem or if that's just to prevent the possibility of. a I think problem. it also
1: prevents people throwing things over and stuff like that. Oh, that's, that's smart. think about that because yeah. that is
0: something you know some little brat would do. Well, yeah,
1: like, well, I'm gonna throw this rock, and then the person down there is like, "Okay, thanks. I yeah. have a hole in my brain." But yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, okay. So, side tangent. Hopefully, something positive or funny in the midst of all this morose suicide thing. There were there was a Spider-Man movies that were made for the television in the 70s, the Spider-Man TV oh, movies. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved them as a kid. I mean, they're cheesy, but I still loved them. At one point, they had these mind-control pins that the villains are putting <laughs> on people, and the guy who plays Spider-Man, he, he gets this mind-control pin, and the mind-control pin was to get people to, like, commit crimes and then commit suicide so that they couldn't, like... There was, like, no evidence for the oh, cops. Oh, you know, sure. Typical 70s kind of sci-fi. Well, when Spider-Man gets to the top of the... Uh, as a pedestrian, he's he's as Peter Parker. He's inside the building. He gets to the top and he's going to try to climb over the fence to commit suicide the metal spikes that curve in went in and actually ripped the the pin off of him so he like regained his consciousness and i was like i bet they didn't expect that it was going to save lives that way as a kid (laughs) you know because i'm dumb anyway just imagine a 70s hairdo like he looked like eric foreman from the 70s show but he was spider-man it was pretty awful Yeah,
1: funny because Eric Foreman, uh, Toby, Fur Grace Grace ended up playing Venom, I think it's Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's totally true. (laughs) Oh, small world. Uh, Full circle. Okay.
0: Back to the really morose stuff.
1: Yes. So back to that. Now, despite the safety measures and everything like that, people passing by in the streets and people working in the building have reported hearing screams fall all along the building concerned they would immediately go investigate and see you know if someone did someone manage to fall over or right, is right. someone in danger and there was never anything ever found but allegedly people still to this day say they sometimes hear screaming coming from above and that's just mortifying
0: didn't our uh tour guide even mention that like from a bird's eye view the building looks like a casket or something like that i never checked I never oh you know what i didn't
1: e- i didn't hear him say that I, at least I don't remember. Are you looking it up?
0: Yeah. I want to make sure We
1: will know in a few seconds and with editing abilities you will know now.
0: <laughs> All right, so I looked it up online and Wait, let me see. I don't really think it looks like a casket.
1: Uh, not really. It's
0: it's kind of triangular and maybe we misheard what he was trying to say. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I don't really I don't really think it looks like I don't a think casket. it's
1: like dramatic enough. To mention, that's for sure. Or I like will, to, to tell people about.
0: I agree. But I will say on the ground floor, it was a really cool building.
1: Yeah, it was really pretty. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. So yeah, okay, so that is my second story. And I think you probably have a few still up your sleeve.
0: Oh, I absolutely do. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about what I can say safely was my favorite of the haunted locales that we visited in Milwaukee. Oh,
1: I know which one it is. And
0: arguably the smallest Just a block down the street from what Lily's going to cover next is a bar known as Sabbatic. The building has a long history, having been built in the 1890s. It spent time as both a boarding house and brothel for dock workers. It was also allegedly a speakeasy during Prohibition, but let's be honest, at this point, every building claims to have been a speakeasy (laughs) during Prohibition, so you never know. But it's been a bar ever since Prohibition was repealed. It's a smallish locale and sabbatic is likely a far cry from any previous businesses to occupy the premise. It's a very specific bar for a very specific clientele dimly lit with an ominous red hue. It screams dive bar with its single pool table, cigarette machine and a makeshift stage that seems too small for a band of more than two people overlooking the bar is a rather large image of porky pig in black clothing, a mohawk and spiked gear. It's a punk bar signified not just by its decor but by its clientele as well two small tvs were playing staples of the elder millennials and young exer generation like robocop and labyrinth but something else was going on behind the bar there were several full shots of liquor placed out of reach for the world to see your average person might even miss these small glasses in the dimly lit and busy bar back wall but for us they were in fact the reason we came to the bar See, one of these shot glasses has a note next to it that simply says, for the ghost. (laughs) Sabbatic has a reputation for being haunted by at least one apparition. According to bartender Matty Gonzalez, the ghost is that of an old man. He first witnessed it around February of 2010 after he had closed up the bar and locked all the doors. The bar should have been empty when Gonzalez claims, quote, I saw a skinny old man in a suit with long gray hair, end quote. Ooh. At first, Gonzalez assumed it was a patron who inexplicably got into the locked bar. That is until the old man began coming towards him gliding along the floor without Uh, moving his legs. Gonzalez understandably chose to nope the fuck out, abandoning his closing duties, save for setting the alarm before leaving the area for the night. His story has credibility with the management who consider Gonzalez a tough and truthful employee. Coupled with the fact that multiple employees would regularly report hearing footsteps and noises from the floor above, Mm -hmm. which should have been empty, the owner became concerned. They decided to check out the property's history and learned that the previous owner was very familiar with these sorts of bizarre occurrences. Their staff also reported hearing inexplicable sounds and noises after hours. But it was one particular worker's tale of seeing a ghostly man lurking in the basement's liquor storage that indicated this ghost may be a permanent resident. As a peace offering, a shot of Powers Irish Whiskey is set on the bar as a gift to the ghost. However, to this day, the shot has remained unconsumed. But for anyone choosing to visit this unique bar, you might notice that there isn't just one shot behind the bar. I asked the bartender when we were there, and they informed me that the other shots were for loyal patrons who had passed away. They were set up as tribute, and perhaps to ensure that the bar might remain lively even after closing time.
1: Oh, that's so cute.
0: Whether or not you believe the location is haunted is up to you. What I can say, it is one of my favorite bars I have ever been to. Cheap drinks, great music, and a solid crowd of people. If I lived in Milwaukee, it would unquestionably be one of my regular hangouts.
1: Oh, yeah. It was such a cool place. Oh, but I love this story. I would like to think that somebody would leave a full shot glass for me after I died.
0: Aw. <laughs> I would do that for you, but let's be honest. you're gonna You're going to live way longer than me.
1: Fuck no, I don't think so. But no, that's a really cool story. And the bar, honestly, if you guys ever find yourself in that area in Milwaukee or you go live there. there and you haven't been there and you've been thinking about it, just go there. It's pretty fun. It's Yeah, if casual. a punk
0: dive bar sounds cool to you, go there. If that sounds awful to you, don't go there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's true. You will
0: hate everything about it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Now it's time for one of your stories.
1: Okay, so my story is also another bar. It's the Shakers Cigar Bar.
0: This is the one I mentioned. It's only a block away from sabbatics.
1: That's the one. Now, this is a two-story brick-faced building that was built in 1894 and is located in the Walker Point neighborhood of Milwaukee. The inside is very ornate. I wouldn't call it, like, fancy, but it alludes to more of a vintage elegance. Yeah,
0: vintage is the way I would describe uh, exactly.
1: it. Exactly. Exactly. The ceilings are high with a pressed tin decoration and the bar has a brass top and the decorations are littered with antiques.
0: I would describe it as nineteen twenties opulence or attempting to do
1: right. Oh yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I love the atmosphere. Oh yeah. But as a non smoker, the cigar With allergies, with allergies <laughs> and asthma. The cigar and cigarette smoke were ever looming and mm-hmm. it was getting a bit too much for me. Add to the fact that it was hot. Like Very hot. hot that day, <laughs> I could not hang. I had to get out of there. But luckily, they did have an outdoor space, so I got my drink and then I bolted we, outside we chilled on the patio. Right where people were smoking, but still, at least it was an open air. <laughs> <laughs> Before it became a bar that we know today, it had quite the history. It was at one point a cooperage that made barrels for companies like Schlitz Brewing. It was a coal and oil distributor, a brothel slash speakeasy. And before even the building existed, it was apparently a cemetery.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So here we go. The Shaker Cigar Bar finally opened in 1986. So like 102 years later after the building existed or, you know, was erected, whatever you want to say. it's Only
0: one year younger than us.
1: Only just about. And employees have reported strange sightings since the first day. There's your classic hauntings like lights going on and off on their own and doors shutting and opening when no one's around. Mm -hmm. However, more terrifyingly, sightings of apparitions or shadowy people are common. The owner, Bob Weiss, assuming he's still the owner, said in an interview, quote, Sometimes on busy nights, you'll see someone that actually sits at tables with people. They're there, but not quite there. It's like monochromatic shades of black and gray, end quote. Oh, that's creepy. I would be losing my shit.
0: And you'd be wondering if you're like three cocktails in, you're like, am I seeing this? Or is this double
1: vision? And that's another really good point because these people are drinking. So if you Uh see something weird, you're like, I'm just going to go get a shot because I don't know what's happening. I mean, when weird
0: stuff like bars are haunted, there's always like... A level
1: of like, have I had too much?
0: (laughs) There's two sides to it. One is... A lot of people might be willing to ignore supernatural stuff Mm -hmm. that they're seeing because they might be thinking, oh, I've just been drinking too much. It's a little bit weird. They're not as sensitive to it. But it also means that people won't believe you because you said I was drinking. Boom. Exactly. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: Clever ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) There's a ghost that lives in the basement. They all called O'Connor, who likes whiskey. Allegedly, bottles of whiskey from the bar will mysteriously go missing
0: oh so weird bullshit me too it's it's totally the bartender is <laughs> like make the ghost got one it's oh just no like, i'm just bringing a bottle home tonight
1: yeah i think we have a ghost chase because bottles of liquor keep going missing <laughs> our house is haunted
0: Find <laughs> me more rum
1: but aside from having a good time o'connor likes to mess with employees delivery people and repairmen and basically anyone that walks into the basement People have reported feeling drastic temperature changes, seeing shadowy figures and objects moving on their own. People have reported feeling drastic temperature changes, seeing shadowy figures and objects moving on their own. Unsurprisingly, these hauntings have been the cause of employees leaving suddenly, as well as delivery people who have run out without a word and never to be seen again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But of course.
1: But of course. It's happened enough times now that people are actually being warned. It's like, hey, if you see something weird, don't worry, it's not aggressive, blah, blah, blah. In addition to that, the basement has a large walk-in cooler, and from what I understand, it's now used only as storage, but not as a cooler. The door alone is very large and very heavy and requires some muscle to open and close. Mm. It also makes a loud metal grinding and scraping sound as it rubs on the concrete floor I'm telling you all of this because it baffles employees when the door quietly closes behind them without any force or sound. Mm. What's even more scary is that it locks from the outside. So employees are encouraged to bring their phones when they go down into the cooler.
0: Oh, no. I'd be
1: so scared. I'd be scared of that just because I don't want to be stuck. Like,
0: I can't believe that they're allowed to have that. That's a safety violation. You can't do that. They
1: should remove the door. I mean, when
0: you build coolers, when I worked at the brewery. Yeah, and and I, when I worked as a short order cook, the coolers are specifically designed to have emergency releases inside on purpose.
1: But it does happen because I don't know if it's like a nationwide thing or something, because I remember seeing this YouTube video where they were talking about true crimes or missing people, you know, because I like my true crime, too. And they were trying to, like, figure out exactly what happened to this one girl. She was like around 17 years old. She went to a party at a hotel and. And the camera see her walking down the hallway, clearly inebriated, unfortunately. And they're like trying to retrace her steps. And it wasn't until like the next day they found her locked inside a a freezer and she froze to death. Oh, wow. And so she eventually was found, but her behavior was erratic. There was clearly something wrong with her. And I think the issue was that they were trying to find out if she was pushed in there or did someone follow her? That was kind of the mystery. Anyway, point being is... She wasn't able to get out. So Mm. I don't know if that's true or maybe people are breaking the law and people are looking away because it's kind of hard to prove. I don't know. Interesting. Kind of weird. But that happened, I think, in 2018, if I remember correctly. Like, I remember it was 20-something teen.
0: Yeah. Pretty recently.
1: Yeah. Now, there is a spirit called Elizabeth that is the most popular So much so that they have a signature drink dedicated to her called Elizabeth's Raspberry Martini,
0: Mm. which
1: is the one I drink.
0: Oh, that is what you got. Yeah. I remember you did get a martini and it looked good.
1: And I, at the time, I wasn't like thinking, oh, it's dedicated to a ghost. No, I just assumed it was like the owner's drink or a bartender who made it up. I don't know. But I ended up drinking it. It was delicious, I will say.
0: I was just drinking beer that whole trip because like every bar had a spotted cow on tap and you, you can't get that <laughs> anywhere out of Wisconsin. So I drank so much spotted had cow. To take
1: advantage of that. Yeah, I totally get it. When two psychics were brought in to investigate the building, they identified a lot of the ghosts and a lot of the things that I had talked about. But specifically, they were the ones who recognized Elizabeth was there, talked about you know, what her name was, and also found out Some history.
0: So they do a seance or was it just psychics?
1: Psychics, mediums. Yeah, they're just there trying to communicate with the undead. They learned that she was alive sometime in the 1850s and she died on the property when it was once an apple orchard. Hmm. While playing, she climbed in one of the trees, fell from the top, and broke her neck.
0: Wait, so was an apple orchard before or after it was a cemetery?
1: I'm not sure, but this is the story I was told. I feel like they're going to say other
0: things like, and it was an Indian burial ground. (laughs) And it was the site of some weird religious thing. Yeah, okay.
1: I think it could be both. I mean, you know, these makeshift cemeteries. I'm not saying it was like this giant, you know, structured official cemetery kind of thing, but who knows. Weiss told the story of when a woman came out of the ladies' room. She asked him, who's that little girl? And he told her that there aren't any kids in here, which he then said these inquiries are very common. And since Elizabeth likes to hang out in the bathroom, I guess people have reported seeing her little feet dangle or like
0: stalls or something in, like. under
1: the stall. So you'll be able to see a kid, and that's what the woman was referring to. She's like, huh. "There's like a kid in there. Is that normal?" Because it is a bar, and it's not. A kind bar for children, it has smoke everywhere. Yeah. This would be super illegal, I think, for them to be most wandering bars inside. bars don't allow kids. No, and they don't. I know breweries do and many times, but a little different. bars, not so much. People will also hear giggling or little boots running across the floor. So you kind of hear sounds of children. And the most physical she ever gets is when she starts playing with women's hair but not pull not the way you described it in the oh, hotel yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. very very different it's kind of like caressing or like just a little kind of breeze kind of she thing she going as
0: far as braiding though you know like little girls do
1: I would love that I'd be like could you just real quick french braid thanks <laughs> really appreciate it I'll just it. sit here drinking <laughs> Yeah I certainly wouldn't mind The same psychics also revealed that when the building was a speakeasy unsurprisingly other illegal activities took place inside including murder
0: not surprising not surprising (laughs) at all
1: whenever there was an incident that resulted in death instead of reporting to the police and risking the fact that there was a speakeasy (laughs) they would take the bodies into the basement and burying them there oh Oh, there's your cemetery that is so
0: messed up (laughs) It's so fucked up. That is a speakeasy I don't want to go to. It's like, by the way, if you die here, we're not getting in trouble. We're going to bury you under this exactly. place. Exactly. That is so messed That's some Benjamin Franklin shit right That's
1: there. fucking Benjamin Franklin, man. <laughs> I think this absolutely thoroughly explains the high activity that goes on in the basement. But yeah, so I think that concludes my end of the stories because had to, it's just it's so aggressive in that place because there's a lot of activity from what I understand.
0: Bodies under the floor. Mm-hmm. So did they excavate them or are there still potentially skeletons under the, you know, foundation of this body? I'm today? guessing
1: there still is because even though these would have been assumptions mm-hmm. and rumors and people that might have been there when the events took place after yeah. prohibition had been lifted only in a couple of years, it wasn't going to be a big deal to talk about it anymore, I yeah. assume. Yeah. But would you want people to find the dead bodies? No, because no. now you're there for murder. And that's not cool for anyone, I guess.
0: Well, and that'll really mess up your business, too. Exactly. you gotta dig them up. Oh, man.
1: If you were already willing to murder someone, the last thing you're going to do is tell someone, hey, there might be dead bodies when I sell this building, so no yeah. big deal. Yeah.
0: So... For people who will never go there and haven't been there, one of the, this this bar very much embraces its haunted nature. Their oh, absolutely. logo is a ghost. It's so a cute. really cool looking ghost. Like it's even on their match boxes and everything. But they also have projectors on their building that project this ghost all around the bar. Like there's the ghost across is projected the street? on the street, one's yeah. on a wall across the street, and they get big. Like it's pretty cool. Like it's It's its whole identity, and I mean that in a good way, not in a Maybe I'll post that on Hair of the Werewolf. I
1: think I did it on my personal stories, and I think I'll do it on Hair of the Werewolf. So you guys can see what we're talking about.
0: But if you don't mind cigars, you know, like locals here who used to go to imbibe, if that didn't bother you, this place is awesome. It's really cool. And considering that Sabbatic is just a block down the street, you could enjoy both these on... Like two bars, one night out, and have a great time. Oh, yeah.
1: That's all you need. Absolutely. And it's an
0: interesting part of Milwaukee. It's just outside of downtown. There's no longer big buildings around it. It's kind of neighborhoody, but kind of not.
1: It definitely feels more local. Yeah. And a little bit,
0: it's not like the nicest neighborhood, but it felt okay.
1: I mean, yeah, I guess I felt fine.
0: Yeah. Now, even though those are all the major stories we're going to be covering today, there were other stops on our haunted tour, but some of them we really hard to find any information on. So we felt it wasn't worth detailing in this episode one and arguably the biggest stop was at the Fister hotel. Mm. That one is amazing. We've actually covered that in its entirety back in episode 48. I cannot stress enough that if you are interested, you really need to go back and listen to that episode. It's a big one. That is honestly one of the most haunted hotels that we've ever covered It was great to see it we went into the lobby it was way nicer than we could afford i mean that was not a
1: absolutely yeah that was a
0: fancy hotel you know with the professional piano player playing inside and everyone wearing suits i was in there in shorts and a t-shirt and i was worried they were going to kick me out and i was just in the lobby uh this is a very fancy place really cool you guys should absolutely check out that hotel or check out that episode not i mean hotel as well i guess but i mean check out the episode there was also the Pabst Theater, which was right next oh, door yes. to the building that Lily covered. Also not far from the Riverside Theater. They're, these are all right next to each other. Our tour guy mentioned the Pabst Theater specifically, but didn't mention any stories. I myself was curious about the location because it was named after Frederick Pabst, the man who started Pabst Brewing, that same beer that everyone knows, PBR. Oh, yes. The beer that got me through college. <laughs> How could I not be interested but there is a reason he didn't go into any of the stories. There just doesn't seem to be any. I searched far and wide for information about Pap's Theater hauntings, and nothing came up apart from a million sites saying it was indeed haunted, but no one elaborated beyond saying it was haunted. Yeah,
1: I will say one thing. While I was doing just some a little more research on the Riverside Theater, there was a medium who was interviewed in an article that I was kind of reading. Susan Fry? Uh, the
0: Ghostitarian?
1: No, I don't remember her name. Oh, okay, <laughs> but she mentions how she went to the River Theater and absolutely felt a lot of activity, and talks about a lot of things. And then she goes back and says, "I, it, you know, it was way more, if anything, at all that I felt in Paps Theater." Which she said she admitted did not really feel anything. Yeah,
0: that was Susan Fry.
1: Okay, was it? I
0: have her quoted. Did we same, actually
1: read the same article? She, the I quote bet.
0: was, "I don't have that energy at the Paps when I'm there by myself." But I do oh, at the Riverside. Okay, so I honestly wonder why people talked about it. I'm yeah. The, the biggest issue is I think because it's right near the Riverside Theater, which has a lot of haunted stories, as you just covered. But also the Pabst Mansion, which is not in downtown, is considered one of the most haunted places, and there's a million stories there. Sure. We didn't get to go to it, so we're not covering it today. I'm wondering if theater, Pabst Mansion, those two haunted things and came together. Blended. People are like this has to be haunted. They're really. There just isn't anything. Maybe it's a marketing tactic. I don't know. Possibly. The, the theater looks cool. I the, mean, they are
1: all owned by the same people. So maybe oh yeah. it's like, eh, screw it. It's all haunted. Whatever yeah. you want.
0: But it's it's also a popular venue. Really neat. The sign outside is really awesome. I, I'd love to see a show there. But yeah. as far as I can tell, there's really nothing to talk about. If any one of you listeners knows a story about it, send it to us. Tell us something so that we can correct that in the future. But I couldn't find anything. I don't know. And at one point, our tour guide also mentioned a story about a boy who was drowned in the river by his awful father, and that you could hear the cries of the baby sometimes along the river, especially at mm-hmm. night. He told us this story, and it was a good story that he told us, but man, you and me looked far and wide online to find anything. We were changing all our I search criteria, everything. did nothing. all my
1: tricks in Google, you know, parentheses or minus whatever. Like, I was doing everything I could to find something specific to this. Nothing. Yeah, there I was mind.
0: nothing. I yeah. think that this was a story that the uh, they just made up to make the tour more exciting because some of these stories are cool, but you just hit a couple stories. They have to justify like an hour-long walking tour. And you're walking along the river for part of this tour, and there's mm-hmm. a huge gap between the Riverside Theater and near the Paps Theater and the Bronze Fonz and all that, I had this feeling that he's like, this is a long walk. I need to put something in the middle here. You think
1: he made it up on the spot?
0: I don't think he made it up on the spot. I think it's a story he tells to add some level oh, of creepiness. Because, okay. you know, don't have, he didn't give names. He didn't give dates. He just said, you know, we got the vibe that it was like late 1800s, early ni- I think uh, that's 20th just, century. You
1: have to imagine that because America isn't, like, super old, so you can only go back so far.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a ghost tour. I'm there for entertainment. He's not, I'm not expecting a historical lesson. I'm not expecting stuff that I can quote or anything that I totally get it. And it was, and it was a decently enjoyable thing, but <laughs> there were a lot of things that we went to, but not many of them needed to be talked about. We mostly wanted to cover right. the big ones as we did.
1: I mean, I appreciate the entertainment oh, at the very least. Yeah, I'm not... Was- mad
0: you put on a show we paid for a show we got a show right i'm happy no complaints but there were a few stories i'm like yeah no nothing <laughs> i start here. squinting
1: i don't know dude
0: yeah yeah so that was cute but i guess that's that's all i got for today
1: i think that's it that's the end of our episode if this is your first episode with us welcome and i hope you had as much fun as we did if this isn't your first episode Well, we think you're the bee's knees, (laughs) which, fun fact, that phrase, bee's knees, is a Prohibition-era cocktail made with gin, fresh lemon juice, and honey.
0: Oh, sounds delicious.
1: It's served shaken and chilled, and the drink was so popular that the name became a Prohibition-era slang, meaning the best.
0: Oh. Bam. Some knowledge. One of these days, I'll have to have one of those.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The bee's knees. I hear it's the bee's knees. I hear. I hear. (laughs) I hear. Remember, you can always email us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or contact us through other social media platforms. With story suggestions of your own or spooky experiences for our next listener episodes, please write to us. Or if you just want to say hi and have a little chat, we're always here. And as we always say, if you find yourself having a work week hangover or a I drink too much at the speakeasy kind of hangover, (laughs) well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye.